<laughs> oh, I think this is working. Fantastic. I lose a lot of confidence wearing a thing like this. I'm not sure why. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> well, well, um, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I, I, maybe you've heard it already, but I'm not British. And you will not listen to a word I'm saying until you've figured out where I'm from. So anyone have a guess? It's not South Africa. Yes, well done, well done. I'm originally from the Netherlands, and um, I only moved to the UK seven years ago. And I came to the UK straight to Bedford, never heard about Bedford, never heard about anyone in Bedford. It's not a miracle, I now know. Um, but um, I heard about King's Arms Church from the Netherlands, where I was. I was part of a New Frontiers church there, um, only for about a year or so. And uh, I moved to um, the UK because I heard about a training school. And the training school is called Training for Supernatural Ministry. And um, I saw a flyer of this training school. A friend of mine gave me a flyer of this training school. And it said, if you want to see the sick healed, if you want to see the oppressed delivered, if you want to see the kingdom come wherever you go, sign up for this course. And I was like, if that's real, that's what I want. <laughs> and I had not experienced any of that in my life up to that point. And I discovered it a little bit more. I, uh, I learned about it a bit more. And then I applied for the school, got accepted. And my life was absolutely transformed in that year. You know what? I came for a miracles, but I stayed because of the encounter I had with the Father. And because of the culture that I experienced. And we talk a lot about culture at King's Arms. And culture is really the way that we cultivate kingdom values in people's lives. Not only to achieve the mission of God, to see the kingdom of God come, but also what kind of people do we want to be on the journey. And that's the people that really see value in every other, sp other, other person. And, and see th that every person, no matter how they behave, no matter how much they reject us, no matter how much we disagree with them, they are made in the image of God. Everyone. Even Donald Trump. <laughs> and what we're learning is going on this journey that we don't have to agree with everyone, but that we value everyone because they're made in the image of God. And most of us think that our worldview is the best worldview. And it's not necessarily the only worldview that is relevant. So what we're learning is go on this journey of how do we accept people just like they are? How do we embrace them? How do we include them? How do we honor them? And how are we generous to them? And then we put that in the context of the kingdom coming, the miracles breaking out of salvation, of the presence of God, of joy and peace, of justice coming. And then we see the kingdom happening and we see lots and lots of fun things happening. Just to tell you a couple of stories, um, I'll tell you two stories about taxis. And um, we have a big building um, in Bedford, almost in the middle of Bedford. And now, um, just like here, we use it as a conference center. We, we hire it out and we've got the NHS, the police coming regularly. They just use the building. And we even had uh, a Doctor Who convention in our building, <laughs> which was really fun. <laughs> the Daleks all growing through our coffee shop. It was great. <laughs> and uh, just we had, I think last year, more than 30,000 people coming through our building not for any church activities. 
So that's for our coffee shop, for our conferences, for any kind of things. And we um, I think that's an absolute privilege. That's not only used for us, but it's used for the community. And um, so the taxi um, drivers know the building. So you now have to just say, go, can I go to King's House? And they know exactly where it is. And um, a couple of students from our team, uh, from our TSM uh, course, they went and took the taxi from the building to, to the train station. And this lady um, started talking to the taxi driver, and he is a Muslim taxi driver. And, and the driver said, hey, what, what the heck goes on in this building? And she's like, oh, why are you asking? So he was like, well, two weeks ago, I was driving someone from this building to the train station, and I was complaining about my back, that my back was hurting. And she didn't hesitate and started praying for me, and that was it. And then a day later, I was completely healed. My, my back didn't hurt at all anymore. What the heck happened? <laughs> <laughs> and so this lady was like, well, let me explain a little bit about who did that. And, uh, and then started to explain the gospel then to this guy. And uh, he was like, well, completely amazed and encountered Jesus right in the taxi, going from a building to the train station. And uh, another taxi um, story was just a couple of weeks ago. We started our course in October, and we go from October till September, uh, till July, about nine months. And this lady is there on the very first night. She's attending our course, where we all the whole course is about becoming naturally supernatural, about learning how to uh, minister the kingdom and to release the kingdom wherever we go. And she goes home in a taxi. And um, she starts talking to the taxi driver. And I think she starts prophesying over him. And just uh, revealing some, some things about, about his life. And um, they just had an incredible conversation where he'd ask her a lot of questions. She, uh, the taxi driver delivers the lady at the hotel. They end up talking for another hour about Jesus. And um, this taxi driver um, keeps pressing away any new calls for, for, for um, taxi rides and afterwards she says oh, I'm tired I just need to go to bed and leaves the taxi driver to us and he says I'm going to go home find a bible and going to read it and she came the next day and this was the beautiful thing she said she stood up and said I couldn't believe that God wanted to use me to do that because my husband, he is an apologist, knows all the answers to every question that he can ask. And uh, I always felt that I had not enough, that I wasn't enough to do anything for the kingdom. But I realized that God wants to use me to see something happening in the kingdom. And uh, I just thought that was such an encouraging moment of, yeah, God wants to use everyone, not just the experts. Everyone in the kingdom. And that is our passion at King's Arms. Not that just one or two do the stuff, but we all get to play, like John Wimber said. We all get to play with the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do. So, this weekend, I'll tell you a little bit about the plan for this weekend. Um, what we're going to do is, tonight I just want to talk a little bit about, as leaders, and you as leaders, what our job is, is to deal with hope is to release hope into people's lives. That is our job as leaders, is to remind people of the confident expectation that God is good. 
that God is good, that He's present in our lives, and that He wants to reveal Himself, and He wants to do beautiful things in and through our lives. Right? So that's what we want to do. And the reality is that although we, that's familiar language, not everyone of us lives with hope. And a lot of people that come in in this church on a Sunday morning in the groups that go to work on Monday morning do not go to work full of hope and expectation that God is amazing and that he wants to do amazing things. But actually, they're very overwhelmed by their circumstances. They're very overwhelmed with work, with family, with disappointment, with all kinds of things happening in their life. And what our job is, how do we create an environment, a culture, where we can keep growing in hope, in expectation that God is good, and then also bring other people with us on the journey. So we've learned a couple of lessons, and I specifically apply that to the supernatural. So obviously, often we talk about future hope, and that's an important, important part to have eternal perspective. But I'm just talking about the hope invading now, the kingdom now. How do we come to an expectation of God wants to do something beautiful today? We don't always know what, but we know that he's good. We know that he's present. So he wants to do something beautiful. So that's what we're going to talk about just tonight. Then tomorrow, tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon is all going to be about the prophetic, which is going to be great. So the first session, what we'll do is the first session, before we prophesy to anyone else, what we think is really important to teach people is how... Do we grow in friendship with the Father? How do we grow in a friendship with the Father? I can teach you how to prophesy pretty quickly, but if we do that from an orphan heart, then it's just about a gift rather than a giver. And what we want to do is it's always in the context of relationship with the Father, relationship with God, and how to minister from that place. If people can hear God for themselves, be confident in their sonship, then suddenly prophesying becomes easy because you extend what you've already received. So that's what we're doing in the first session and we'll do some exercises around that. It's going to be great. And then the second session, we're going to go really practical, do lots of prophetic activations, get people moving, get people practicing, get people to make mistakes because that's okay, yes? And, um, and get people to do, give it a go because that's what church is. It's giving a context where people can make a mistake, so that when they go out there, they know a little bit how it works. Are you getting excited yet? Good! (laughs) And then, tomorrow night, what we're going to do is we'll do a healing night, and uh, we're just going to pray for healing, pray for um, God's kingdom to come, break in, just going to be a big party night. Um, and I'll speak from Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, how God doesn't only heal physically, but he brings wholeness to us. So that's going to be great fun. So, and we'll see you about Sunday, what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, tonight, um, a couple of... Um, I just need my flip chart. I'll use that in a bit. Maybe you can turn to Ephesians 3 for me. A couple of months ago, I um, spoke at King's Arms on Sunday morning and I spoke around the subject of joy. 
And that joy is part of my journey. Um, I come from a past before I came to the UK. Um, I lived with severe depression. And um, I um, saw therapists and I had lots of counseling in church. And a big part of my journey is learning around my identity that depression is not part of me. And that I can live inside of joy. And I've got incredible freedom. And I'll explain that in a moment, that story a little bit. And um, out of that, about 10 years later now, I live with joy and, and excitement and expectation that God is good and that he has done lots in my life. But I realized really quickly, talking about joy, you cannot talk about joy without talking about hope. Because joy and hope are absolutely linked. I'm, and the reason that I can have joy is because I'm absolutely confident that God is for me and not against me. Now, we can all quote that scripture, but believing it is a whole a different thing. To actually think and believe and know that God is good, and that he's for me and not against me. I grew up with the, the God that was distant and that was angry with me. Like the guy that looks through the CCTV camera. It's irrelevant until you do something wrong. And then suddenly he's there. But that's not what the Father is like at all. He is present in, our, present in our life and he wants to give us good gifts. And I realized that if I do not have an expectation that God was, or a remembrance that God was good yesterday in my life, and if I don't remember that in gratitude, then I don't have an expectation that he's good tomorrow. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was good yesterday, he's good tomorrow. But if I don't remember that he was good yesterday, I don't have an expectation that he'll be good tomorrow. Simple logic, yeah? So that I realized that my joy is not rooted in my circumstances lining up. They're not better now than they were ten years ago, necessarily. But I realized, wow, God is doing amazing things in my life and through my life. And that's where biblical joy comes from. So, I realized, okay, so we need to not only talk about joy, we need to talk about hope. And hope, biblical hope is this, not hoping that something will happen, but a confident expectation that God is good. That's what biblical hope is. So, um, Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. The NLT says this in verse 16 again. I pray that out of his unlimited resources, oh that's beautiful isn't it? He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Scripture says that he's made a home with you through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know... This love that surpasses knowledge. Again, NLT says that you may experience this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Or New King James says this. Exceedingly, abundantly more. 
than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in a church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So we can go home now. That's, we can feast on that for ages. That's brilliant. Here's my question. What if it is possible for miracles to happen? happen? What if it is possible for our family to be restored? What if it is possible for your brother to get in touch again? What if it is possible to get your body healed? What if it is possible for that addiction to break off? What if it is possible to be on fire for God again, like you were when you just got saved? What if it is possible? Whatever you think is impossible, what if it is not impossible, but it is impossible because the Father has immeasurably more for you than you can imagine? What if it is possible? So many of us live in the disappointment of this hasn't happened in my life for so long. Nothing's going to change now. And that's the definition of hopelessness. And again and again, Scripture introduces to us to the fact that there is more possible than we can think or imagine. This is the normal Christian life supposed to be. That nothing is impossible with God. And that's what's living with hope. What makes Emmanuel Church different than the counselor around the corner? It's hope. It is hope. It is hope that God is present with us. I love the name Emmanuel Church. God with us. He's not distant. He's not in the next building. He's not but to the family next door. He's with us. He's with us always, forever, never turning his face away. Always welcoming us. Always pursuing us. Always for us and not against us. That's the God that we serve. Not somehow the deity in the distance looking after the stars. No, looking after us. Never needed to come to us. It's not something that he needed from us to get more glory. He had all the glory in all the world that he needed. But he wanted to come. He wanted to come, not out of duty of care, but because he wanted to extend his love, extend what he, his image, so that he could love us and pursue us. That's what hope is. And that comes with miracles. What if it is possible for God to like you? Even if we get the revelation that God loves us, so many of us don't think he likes us. Isn't that true? This is the normal Christian life. Often for TSM I say, God, I do not want a great meeting. I want your presence. A great meeting is fine. Great organization. I love it when the band is great. I love it when the host says everything at the right time. I love it when everything is smooth when the coffee is out. But all of those things, it's worth nothing if the presence of God is not with us. And I again and again and again, I say to myself and I say to God and I say to my team, we will stop this if God is not with us. Because I'm not precious about the label, I'm precious about Him being with us. And if we don't see the fruit, we'll stop right now. We'll stop right now. Sometimes you need perseverance and all that, I get that. But, 
<laughs> I'm young still. <laughs> uh, but so important to me is where is the presence of God? What is He doing? Are we riding His wife? Are we riding His wife? It's not about the program. It's not about the good meeting. It's about making sure that God changes and transforms life. And I was speaking at um, um, uh, a charity that works for the homeless, that works for the homeless recently, and we, we, we do lots of that. And one of the things that I felt God say is that the kingdom is not only about life improvement, although that we often talk about that now. And that's the, that's the danger we're talking about, the miraculous. That's just about life improvement. It's not only about life improvement. It's about heart transformation and about the glory of God. I'm not interested in my circumstances improving if my knowledge of God doesn't increase. Yeah, so I'm just like, God, come into your presence. And one of the things I just want to commend you with here at Emmanuel Church, that's evidently your passion. Evidently your passion. We walk in this room and like, come on, this is awesome. It just feels like wells are breaking open and that... Uh, that God is here and that you're passionate and I can see in worship you're going for it and I love it, I love it, I just want to commend you for it. I feel at home immediately because you can see that all over. And if we're passionate just for Him, Jesus plus nothing, then beautiful things happen. And heart transformation is something that we're going after. This... Um, um, there was one um, guy, his name was Michael, and he did TSM. And he must have been in his 50s or 60s. And every week he showed up at TSM, and I never saw him smile once. Always frowning, not necessarily talking to many people. And I just, just went on and on and just had some conversations. Steve is here, yay! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> You're late! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and um, he, and after about a couple of months, I sat down with him in our coffee time, and I said to him, Michael, what would you love to see God do tonight? And he said to me, Marco, one thing I've never seen is somebody get healed in front of me. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, help us, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a great thing to ask God for. That will happen inside. And... Uh, and it's like, okay, that was it. That was the conversation. Anyway, we turned out, I wasn't leading the meeting, but we turned out to do spontaneous healing. So we just had, a, there was a word of knowledge for back pain, and we decided to pray for everyone whose leg was shorter than the other. And there were seven people in the room that their leg was shorter than the other. And I think seven people got healed that night of their leg growing up, which was absolutely fantastic. And that was great in itself. But one of those people was Michael. And I saw him at the back of the room and a whole group of students were praying for him and his leg grew out and his face changed. And then we did some, okay, what has God done? Let's come forward. Let's explain what God has done. And he came walking forward with a massive grin on his face. And then he told us his story. He said... No one will know this in this room, but my son got cancer, and we prayed for him again and again and again, and he died when he was 18 years old. And ever since then, 
I've been disappointed and angry with God and just not understanding. First of all, in my head I thought, how brave are you to come to a supernatural school? To get confronted with that, with so much pain in your life. And then, and the next thing he said to, me, to us is, I just know, I know, I know that God loves me. Because God healed him in that day. And for me, that was one of the most beautiful moments in the last couple of years. Because God did not only heal someone, he restored someone. And he revealed his love to people. And that's what I live for. That's what I live for. Those beautiful moments. This is what, I'm just going to talk about a tool that, um, that we talk about sometimes. A lot of people, they, well all of us, we ongoingly discover more about God, which is why obviously we're in a room like this. And so often we are faced with a paradigm about God that we didn't know he was like. So, I just put at the top, impossible. We don't start our journey with expecting that God can do lots of amazing things. That obviously starts with salvation, we realize that. And we don't often start our journey thinking, oh, wow, I didn't know that God speaks to us. You know? I didn't know he did that. So, um, and that's, that's often what happens. Okay, I don't know, I didn't know that. And then you hear someone prophesying, and you're like, wow, I didn't know that was possible. You know, we had um, a couple of children prophesying. I had uh, a, a little child in our, in our um, four years old, I think the kid was. And, um, and the mum was pregnant. And, um, and they just had been teaching in kids' work that God knits the children in the mother's womb. And um, so uh, the, the logic was, if, if God knits the baby in the womb, the God must know the name of the baby. No, great logic. So um, the kid says to the, to the mom, um, okay, what's the name of the baby? And, well, they already had an idea, but they didn't want to say to the child, children what the name was yet. It's like, oh, I don't know, don't know. Okay, let's ask God. <laughs> so God, what is the name of the baby? Amen. And uh, so you see, uh, the little kid opens the eyes and says, what are you getting? What, what, what is it? And she's like, oh, I don't know what to say. I kind of know what the baby's name is, but I don't want to say. And it's like, so she says to, 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 her, to her daughter, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Okay, let's ask again. <laughs> and just went for it again. Okay, uh, Jesus, what is the name of the baby and mama's tummy? Uh, amen. <laughs> what is the name of the baby? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, well, I think it's this. <laughs> it just flapped out the name. And it was the name that they thought of. <laughs> and she was like, No way! <laughs> it's just such an encouragement, actually. You know what? Sometimes we, uh, we realize, I didn't know that God could do that. I didn't know that God could do that. He can do amazing things. And just completely out of our paradigm. So... What we are happening, what happens is, we tell lots of stories at King's Arms. We tell lots of stories, we tell lots of things at TSM. And what that does is, when you tell your testimony of what God has done, then suddenly, people think, wow, they go on a journey of repentance. Part of repentance is, you redefine your truth. And you redefine your truth about God. He's bigger than I thought he was. So that, suddenly, things become possible I just want to encourage you as leaders 
Tell and remember lots of stories. Remember when Joshua leads Israel through the Jordan, and then God says, pull up a pile of stones, and memorial stones, so when your children ask about the stones, that you can tell the story of the Exodus and the redemption of God in, in the nation. And that's what we're doing all the time. We're putting memory, memorial stones down all the time. What, what has God done? What has He done in my life? I again and again and again, I tell my story of how I got free from depression. I didn't think I could be ever free from depression. I just had never heard of anyone living without depression if they had depression before. I learned people to cope with it. I've heard about how, uh, how God is still good, how they live with uh, future hope and all that things. But I just never heard of anyone actually getting free of depression. Now I started hearing people telling their stories and I'm like, wow, so people, God can set people free of depression. That's possible. I didn't know that. Suddenly I go on the journey. Go from the impossible to the impossible. Now often this is a journey of repenting from cynicism. Cynicism. Okay. Cynicism is realism undealt with. I'll explain that. <laughs> it took me about half an hour to get that myself. So, Realism is this. Real, the reality of my circumstances. This is what's going on in my life right now. Uh, I've got marriage difficulties, or I've got health problems, or um, I've got this addiction going on, or my job is not going well, good at all, or my boss is just a nasty guy, or uh, anything like that. That's your current circumstances. But if you keep looking at your reality without heaven's perspective... That realism becomes cynicism, and cynicism is unbelief. It's unbelief, because you're not renewing your mind about what God can do. Your realism becomes, God could never do that, because I haven't seen it. Because that's what you're doing, is you're not redefining what God can do. So often when people are not dealing with their reality in God's perspective... They get overwhelmed with their circumstances. They get into a victim mentality. The, the circumstances can be really hard. I'm not saying that. We're not denying that. But we want to lift people up and look from a heaven's perspective to whatever is going on and fill themselves with stories and scriptures of what God's promises. And then things become possible. So now for me and my journey, it became possible that I could live without depression. Now, for me, what happened was, I went to a church meeting like this, exactly like this. Someone prophesied over me, saw all the darkness, saw all the things that I had done wrong, and then prophesied life over me. And that was just, that's grace right there, isn't it? God can see all the stuff going on in your life, and I say, God is doing something in you that is as pure gold. That's what the prophetic guy said over me. God is doing something in you, Marco, that's just pure gold. No one had ever done anything like that. I got freedom instantly. Just got complete freedom. I never had a day of depression since, which is about 10 years ago now, which is amazing. And I went on this journey. I didn't know that was possible in God. But what doesn't happen is this. But not me. So now you think... God can do it, but not with me. 
God can do it with you. I've got faith that God can do it with you. I think you're an amazing guy. You're anointed. You're an amazing leader. Obviously, God is using you. And obviously, he's setting you free. And obviously, you can prophesy. I've seen that for years that you can do that. But he wouldn't do it with me. That's a whole different ballgame. And that is a journey of identity. And this is why we are thinking through all the time that we don't only tell stories. This is important to know as a leader. If you want to create a culture of the impossible happen, the miraculous, the prophetic, anything. We don't only tell stories that are mind-blowing. Sometimes it's great to hear stories that are mind-blowing because they change our perspective about God. Yeah, God is bigger than we thought. That's what we talked about. But the next bit is we tell stories... Where people think, I can do that. I can do that. So that is the story of someone goes to the hairdresser and prays for the hairdresser because they've known them for 10 years. Or they buy flowers for someone in town. Or they, ba- they bake a cake with a prophetic word in a card for their neighbor. Or anything like that. Because people then think, not necessarily, wow, God is amazing, but wow, I can do that. For God. I can be courageous like that. So we tell lots of stories, not only about the amazing things that God has done, but also the fantastic small things, the seeds that people are sowing of the kingdom in people's hearts. Make sense? This is part of how we raise hope in people's lives. And this is a journey of identity. Here, we come to a place of expectation. This is becoming normal in my life. This is absolutely key and we talk about it all the time in our environment because people ask this important question all the time. They never say it out loud but this is what they ask. Am I, some, am I somebody important? Am I somebody important? It's a subconscious question people ask all the time and you can see a whole world completely insecure, struggling with mental health issues, with anxiety, with fear, and a lot of it, not everything, a lot of it has to do with this question, am I somebody important? The whole world has an identity crisis going on. And the scriptures talk about it all the time, who we are in Christ. It says about 160 times in the New Testament that we are in Christ. That we are one with Christ. Abide in me and you will be a match fruit. All those kind of things. We are sons and daughters of the King. We are a royal priesthood. We are seated in heavenly places. We are God's masterpiece. We are again and again and again. Psalm 8, it says, what says in Psalm 8? We are crowned with glory and honor. Again and again, God is saying, yes, you are somebody important. Yes, you are somebody important. Not because of your past, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection and Him living inside of you. You are important. And because I made you, because of I thought of you, and I came for you. Not because I had to, because I wanted to. This is so important in getting our theology right in this. We are not sinners saved by grace. We are saints. Yes, we were sinners. But Paul says again and again in, in, in Romans, that's your old self. It's dead. It's dead. Don't talk to your, to your dead self. That's no longer who you are. And so many people, what you behold, you become. If you think that you're a sinner, what do you do? You sin. 
And it's so important that we bring people on a journey of saying, no, you are somebody important, not because you are the bee's knees, but because God is the bee's knees and he created you. Yes? So, so, so important. Especially in the prophetic. If we do a lot of prophetic things and we don't talk about this, we just get a lot of arrogant people working, flowing in the gifts. And the other half is abdicating and doesn't do anything. We don't want that. Well, I don't want it, at least. So, that's that part. Let me see. Stories of people where you didn't expect that they could do it are really important here. Now, a lot of people think that I can prophesy, I can speak, I can do all kinds of things. So, if I tell a story about me, they're like, yeah, great, good job. But now, we had a lady at TSM, and she said, she was angry, angry, angry. She was the whole year, she was just angry, 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 always upset. We would do like a fun activation about the prophetic. What has this to do with the scriptures? <laughs> what has this to do with the gospel? Why are we doing this? And just, she would just come and talk to us about it. And the only thing I would say is, I would explain it, and I was like, thank you so much that you're even in the room. Thank you so much. I'm not afraid of your anger. I didn't say that, but that's how I communicated it. <laughs> and just communicated acceptance and love. And, and everyone in the room, everyone, we have about 80 students, and everyone in the room should look, eh, kind of avoid a little bit. You know? Every, uh, every church has got a couple of people like that, yeah? And then what happened is she got a revelation of God's grace. She got, and she told us the story of, I've been a Christian for 40 years, but I'm still not sure I'm saved living in this lack of identity, lack of assurance of salvation, and actually slowly, because we kept accepting her, kept prophesying over her, kept reminding her of scriptural truth, she actually started realizing and transformed, transforming her thinking about, no, I am a daughter of the king, and getting this assurance of salvation. Amazing. Next thing what happened is, she goes out on the streets, she goes to a fish and chip shop, she buys some fish and chips, prophesies over the person over the counter, then hands out the fish and chips to young people in the park or whatever it was in the streets, and then prays for them. Now, she was the most shy and angry person in the room. So when she got up to tell her story that she was brave and courageous to do that, everyone in the room thinks, if she can do it, <laughs> I can do it. See suddenly how you're creating an environment of hope? Because hope says this, Oh, you can do it, then I can do it. And that's so exciting, because now it's not only about the few confident evangelists in the room, it's about everyone of us sowing seeds of the kingdom. So the next thing is we have this expectation, God just can do something through me. I have an expectation that I can live without depression. I'm not scared anymore that it will come back. I'm not... Worried about it. I've still got bad days. Don't worry. But it's just generally that heaviness is away. So that's the next bit. And then the last bit is it becomes normal. And we call that culture. Culture happens when I don't have to tell you to do something, but you do it anyway. Or more. Culture happens 
when something... So, for example, we have a culture of acceptance, that we are radically accepting people, no, not stumbling over who they are not, but accepting who they are in God. So this week, at TSM, randomly, a couple of team members started hugging everyone that came into the room. Never talked about that, was never an idea, but that naturally happened. No one told them to do that. And suddenly I thought, that's culture. They're grasping something of the heart of our community that we want to radically accept people no matter where they're at in God. And I didn't have to tell them how to do it. They just came up with the ideas themselves. And that's what culture is. No longer I have to hold a prophetic activation and tell you how to prophesy because I can just see all through the room just people praying over each other, prophesying over each other. And that's what culture is. That's what we're aiming for because culture is... It happens automatically. It just grows and it develops. And that's what we want to aim for, even in Emmanuel Church. A prophetic culture, a culture of the impossible, where just suddenly you hear stories from everywhere, all the time, because it becomes normal. It becomes normal. That's exciting, isn't it? And it happens. It can happen. And it's increasingly going to happen. That's a prophetic word for you. And then the last bit is, what's next? Oh, I'm excited. We're going to pray in a bit. God is going to do something fun, I think. I just felt in the worship right now, just already pouring a fire, I feel that God is going to do tonight. So when we're going to pray in a bit. So get ready, team. Anyway. What's next? What's next is we never give up on this journey. Because the last thing I want to communicate to our people is, You're here. (laughs) You're here. You're here. Because it's not about a beginning point and an end point. It's about continually being a disciple of God. It's about the journey of increasingly our repentance. Repentance never stops. We never arrive. We always grow. We always want God to change us. We always want God to develop us. And that's my continual prayer for me personally. Please, God, change me. Change me. Change me. Continually do this for me. And now I can live with the expectation for me, for example. I live with an expectation. I can live without depression. But now the next thing for me is I'm not going to settle there. I read in a preach somewhere, I had someone's notes, and there was this phrase in it, only one phrase. How to move from melancholy to optimism. And I know that person as such a happy man, like really optimistic, really positive, like one of the most positive leaders that I know. And they said, my journey of melancholy to optimism. And I had a moment in God, I was like, wow. I didn't know that was possible. See how I do the next level of the journey? I didn't know it was possible for me to live a life with optimism, which is hope, by the way, biblical hope, an expectation like, I don't have to live with a sense of melancholy. I can live every single day with an expectation, God is amazing and He can do anything tonight. What is He going to do tonight? He could do anything He could do absolutely anything. (laughs) See what happens? See what happens? That is hope. That's hope right there. And I'm going on this journey. I'm not giving up. I'm continually saying, okay, God, I didn't know that was possible. How is this going to be possible for me? 
and I'm going on an identity journey that I thought that melancholy was my personality, but it wasn't my personality. It was an inferior revelation of what is possible in God. So, okay, wow, that's not my personality. That's, I may be a deep thinker, and I like deep thinking, but hey, 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 I'm going to get over the cynicism. I'm going to over it that that's not possible. So now I'm continuing on this journey. Same thing for the prophetic. Wow, I've prophesied a lot of years before, but when I, heard some, when I hear some people prophesy, I'm like, flip, I didn't know that was possible. I've seen people's back healed, but when I saw them leg grows out, I was like, ooh, amazing, that I didn't know that that was possible. And, you know, I've seen people get freedom in prayer sessions, but when I sat in with Amanda for a prayer session, I had a 55-year-old man, a leader, weeping like a baby on my lap. And getting incredible freedom over things that happened in his childhood. And I was like, wow, like tears just burst in my eyes. Because I was like, wow, I didn't know this was possible. I had no clue that God could do that in the first two minutes of us sitting there. Right? It was within five minutes that guy was weeping. Because uh, people, I knew how loud it was because other leaders of King's Arms came out of the offices, looked through our window. Are you alright? Because that's how loud he was. That's how loud he was as he got deliverance and freedom. I was like, wow. Before Amanda, I'd never seen that. Before Jill told, told the story, she's a GP. She told the story of someone in her GP practice with mental uh, health issues. And um, she got a word of knowledge for the guy that started his journey of, uh, of actually opening up the conversation about why he's got mental health problems. And that hadn't happened for, for, for years. I personally never ever heard a story of anyone partnering with God to see mental health issues go. And I was like, wow! I didn't know that was possible. Because personally, I've got faith for any, anyone to get out of depression and, and get joy. But certain mental health issues I see in front of me, personality disorders, anything like that, and I just did not have an expectation or a framework that God could do anything with that. But the reality is, Jesus is much bigger than any issue that we face on this earth. Anything he can do. And suddenly, I'm going on a journey, constantly with different things, on a journey. Wow, this is possible. And now, as a leader, your job is this. Not only are you going on this journey, but you're bringing a lot of people with you. Your job in your groups, in your worship teams, in your uh, small groups, in whatever team you lead, wherever you are, in pastoral conversations, is not only about caring for people, but it's also about bringing them up to a level where God can do amazing things and they have an expectation that God wants to do something in their lives. Right? So, quickly turn to the person next to you and say, there's one thing that you've been thinking of while I've been talking about your own life. No, don't talk about someone else for now, but about you. Okay. Where are you on the scale? Where are you on the circle at the moment with one particular thing? Whether that is the prophetic, whether that is your own mental health, whether that is freedom from certain addictions, whether that is whatever it is, talk quickly to the person next to you. Where are you? at the moment, and what is God saying to you to go to the next step? Yeah? Just quickly turn to the person next to you and do that.
One more minute. Okay, let's come back. Just maybe one or two people want to quickly stand where you are and share your thoughts. Yeah, go on. Yeah, well done. What's God saying? Yeah. 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 Have you got a specific example about what? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. 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 Yes. So what is one thing that God is saying to you tonight, how you can move forward on that? Jesus, do it. Yes, fantastic. Good. Thank you so much, Matt. Just two things to say quickly. Um, one of the things that we grow in that is, is gratitude, as I said. Practice remembering what God has done in your life rather than what he hasn't done yet. So he has done amazing things already through you, Matt. That's the reality and in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this room. That's the fact of salvation to start with. If you can't think of anything else, that's amazing. Yeah? <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. And the reality is, he's done incredible things in your everyday life. And I want you to make a practice out of doing that regularly. I thank God for five things every night before I go to bed about my day. And they're super simple. Thank you, God, for that conversation with a friend. Thank you that I got my work done today. Thank you that this and this and this. Thank you, God, that I got to pray for that person. And... If you do that about two months, things will start to shift. 
because you start recognizing, wow, God is doing amazing things in my life. Secondly, I just want to qu- quickly tell you a story about a friend of mine who is um, a midwife. And she um, was in, in, in the room and they, the, the, her and the doctor, they decided, well, really, what procedure said they needed to do a C-section. But in her spirit, she felt they should not do a C-section. They, they just felt it. And she, she, she's in our, on our TSM course. And obviously, that's a massive deal. And you all know about that. That's, that's not an easy thing to think about. And they, they, she talked to the doctor. He's not a Christian. I was like, oh, I'm just, I've, I've got this gut feeling. She said, I've got this gut feeling about this and this. And this is for this, this and reason. I don't know all the details. But, and in the end, they decided not to do the C-section. The, the child was born healthily. And if they would have done a C-section, it would have died. They figured out later. And the, the reality is, she prays all the time in the context of what you do and see stuff happening, even all, although it's not always overt. So just keep finding stories like that because it will encourage you it's possible. Yeah? Okay, someone else quickly? Thank you for sharing, Matt. Yeah, hello. Yeah. 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 Yes. Love that. You lo- know what I love about that first story? That it even came in your head that you wanted to pray, although you didn't. That often happens at the beginning of the story with us students. They're like, oh, I knew, I saw that guy on the crutches, and I knew I needed to pray. But I didn't, I didn't. And I was like, come on, it came in your head that you wanted to pray. That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. I love that. Love that. See, a really important part of this culture is a culture of making mistakes. We often say obedience is, we celebrate obedience as much as outcome. Because the outcome is to God, but obedience is up to us. And if we learn to be obedient, we celebrate that hard. Even when nothing happens. Yeah? One more. One more person. Yeah.
Yeah. That's common grace, isn't it? I think God, no matter where they are at in their journey with Christ, God wants to bless people because everyone is made in the image of Christ. So I love that. Thank you so much. Great. So we can keep... I just want you to keep this in mind, no matter where you are for yourself, but also for the people around you. Because people, everyone goes on this journey all the time. And it's a clock in your head, where is that person at? Where is that person at? And then speaking appropriately into their lives. Just quickly, the last bit I want to share, and then we're going to pray. Let's see what God will do. So, um, you can see through this Ephesians 3 passage that there is what is connected here. Uh, God is, Jesus, uh, Paul is saying, I want you to experience love that surpasses knowledge, and then you will realize he's got much more for you than you can ask or imagine. So that's that journey again. I want you to experience it. That word know is I want you to know the love of Christ. It is so much more than a thinking no. So much more. Which is why the NLT talks about experience. May you experience the love. And that is so important. We talk about it all the time in our environment. It is about the revelation that people are sons and daughters of the King Himself. That Spirit of Christ that resurrected Jesus, He lives inside of us. That's absolutely crazy. You know, that means that God is closer to you, as close to you than He ever could. As He ever could. Right now, He's closer to you than your own breath. It's absolutely amazing. God himself, the creator of the universe. And that is the reality of our king. You know, I can imagine the Trinity in, sitting in heaven before the foundations of the earth, before anything was created. And they're having a cup of tea together. <laughs> because they're in England. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? There is this conversation going on. There is this beautiful relationship between the three of us, three of them. And the father talks to the son, and the son always points to the father, and the Holy Spirit points to both Christ and the Father and God all the time. And there is this other preferring relationship going on. This is why love is possible because God is not one. Love is not possible in one. It's only possible because it's other preferring. It's other giving. And they constantly point to each other. I can imagine a conversation, the father saying to the son, I can't wait till your time is going to come. Where you're going to be the visible image of the invisible God. And you're going to show what I'm like. And you're going to show what our relationship is like. And just Jesus points to the Holy Spirit and says, the Holy Spirit, I can't wait for you to live 
among humanity to make sure that we are one with humanity. I can't wait for it. And Holy Spirit says, it's all about you. My job is always pointing to you, Father, pointing to you, Jesus. I can't wait. I can't wait so that I can live close to humanity and just constantly point to Christ, point to Christ, point to the Father, because that's where the glory is. And you can see this amazing conversation going on, this amazing glory going on, this other preferring love. And then one day they say to each other, let's not keep this to ourselves. Let's get this revelation, this, re- uh, this relationship, this amazing love that we have among each other is perfect, is completely glorious, is beautiful, it's uh, perfection. And then they say, let's give it away. See, so many of us have grown up, me included, in a Christian household that I thought that God had to come so that he could get more glory. But that's completely wrong. God never had to come to get his glory because his glory is as much glory as he can get. Now we do give him glory. I'm not saying we don't. That's, that's our aim. That's our mission. That is why we're here. We do give him glory, but that's out of an overflow of what he has given us first. First he loved us so we can love him in return. See, God never came, never created you because he had to. He didn't come out of the duty of care. He came because he wanted you. He wanted you, you individually and us as a church and humanity. He wanted us. For me, that changed my worship. That completely and utterly changed my worship. When I thought about you know what's the, what's the Westminster Catechism? What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And then I read John Piper. I don't know if you read it. Desiring God. I only read the first chapter. It was enough for me. The first chapter, and it was said this. He changed it to, we glorify God, which is our purpose on the earth, by enjoying Him forever. I was like, wow. wow. That changed everything for me. Not glorify God and enjoy Him forever, but glorify God by enjoying Him forever. See, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. That's what John Piper says. And for me, that meant I can sit down on a chair and worship and glorify God. I used to go wild. I used to go crazy and worship. Like, and literally what I was doing was performing for God. I love the crazy, I love the, I love the going wild for God in worship. I do it myself regularly, but not because I'm performing for God to give him glory that he doesn't have. But so I can enjoy him and know that when I enjoy him and my revelation of him is growing and I'm growing in the revelation of, wow, I'm a son. I'm really a son. I'm a son. Oh, I'm a son. Amazing. I'm a son. And God is so pleased in that and that's how he gets glory. So important to that journey on the supernatural. It's a holistic journey of identity, growing in that, and then extending that as ambassadors of the kingdom. Should we stand? Can we get some uh, music? Yeah, it's just instrumental, that would be great. You did awesome in worship, by the way. Loved it. That's no, not all about him, you did it. What about the false notes? Was that him too? <laughs> Ha <laughs>
Right. Start receiving. <laughs> Team, just get ready. I just believe that God wants to pour out His fire, His fresh anointing. I think so many of us actually can relate. Can relate to that moment. Can you put the music slightly lower and a little bit louder? Thank you. Just in the background. (laughs) So many people of us here can relate to that moment that we believe that God can do it. But he does, we don't believe that he can do it through us. And I thought Matt was so brave in sharing that. Because that's so often a reality for us. And I just believe that so many of us in this room, we're ready. We're ready to go to that next step in God. We're hungry. I could just feel the hunger in this room. When we walked in at a prayer meeting even, just the hunger in the room is just so evident. And I just want to encourage you. That the Holy Spirit is attracted to hunger. Is attracted to hunger. And even if you're in this room and you're like, I'm not hungry at all. I just believe that God wants to make you hungry. So we can be satisfied in grace, but still be hungry for more in God. So right now, I just pray for every person in this room. And I say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Just fill this room with your presence. God, I don't want this to be a a lovely tagline prayer, but I want to genuinely say, Holy Spirit, we love you here. We love you here. So I say fire of the Holy Spirit right now in this room. Fire of the Holy Spirit right now in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Just enjoy God. Just enjoy God. (coughs) Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Emmanuel Church, I prophesy over you an increase in the supernatural. An increase of the impossible happening. I prophesy supernatural generosity. I prophesy miraculous generosity and provision from the Father. I can see one or two people here. You're financially struggling. I see the numbers in red and I just, I just, every eye is closed. Just wave at me if that's you. Just wave at me if that's you. Thank you, thank you. That's brave of you. Right now, I speak the provision of the Father over you in the name of Jesus. Miraculous breakthroughs. I pray for jobs. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for unexpected inheritance. I pray for your goodness coming right now in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Just enjoy Him. Just enjoy Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Just, I just feel like several people here, you just feel like tingling in your hands even. Tingling in your hands. Just the presence of God is all over you. And I just feel that several people, you're actually feeling the Holy Spirit right now. And if that is you, can you just come forward? Just come forward. Just come. Come, be hungry. Be hungry. I think there is one person here. There is almost like a ring of heaviness around your head. There's a ring of heaviness around your head. 
And often this happens when worship starts. It is like almost like you see this heaviness that's almost like a ring around you. Sometimes it feels like a headache, but it's not a headache. If that is you, God is doing something right now. Just wave at me if that's you. Who is that? Who is that? You feel a heaviness when the presence of God comes. Just wave at me quickly. Be brave. Be brave. Calm Holy Spirit. I just speak freedom right now. Freedom right now. (laughs) Come. Just increase. Yeah, more. 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 Right now. Fire. Fire. (laughs) More. More. Unlocking and unlocking right now. Ow! Right now. Wow. 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 I just speak a revelation of identity over you right now in the name of Jesus. Just the confidence is coming to you, brother. A confidence is coming to you. It's almost like I just see rejection dropping off your shoulders. And the words of rejection over your life, I say, off right now in the name of Jesus. Off right now. Just the contentment of Christ coming over you in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom right now. Oh! Oh! Yes, God. Woohoo! Yes, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Father. Fire. Fire. Woo! Wow, prayer warrior in the house. <laughs> yes, I can see it all over you. You're going to see more and more breakthrough. More and more breakthrough. Do not give up. Do not give up, I feel the Father is saying. I hear your prayers. I hear your prayers. I hear your prayers of intercession. I can see it all over you, sister. Right now, I can see you praying for protocols. I can see you praying for people to return. I can see you praying for bravery. I can see you weeping in your floor and dancing the next moment of celebration. And God is saying, you're meant to weep with those who weep. And you're meant to celebrate with those who celebrate. And I speak of you. You are significant. You are significant in the kingdom. You're significant in the kingdom. And I release the spirit of intercession of you right now in the name of Jesus. I say walls of the enemy break down in the name of Jesus. Right now, any limitations and lies of the enemy off right now in the name of Jesus. I say the spirit of control off right now. Off. Off right now. Freedom. Freedom. Come on. I just see a wave of the spirit coming all over you. Right now, just a freshness, a faith, a hope that is coming alive. This message of tonight, it's all about hope coming alive. And I speak hope coming alive in you, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the next six months, God will confirm that your prayers work. He will confirm that your prayers work. You, may, you need to weigh that up, but I feel that God is doing that in the name of Jesus. Bless you. Come Holy Spirit. Yes. Fire. <laughs> yes. Come on, Spirit. Oh, yes. Yeah. What a strength. What a strength. Fantastic. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Fire. Fire. Right now. Just anxiety off. Off in the name of Jesus. 
right now any shame of not being enough off you are enough you are enough yeah you are enough he doesn't only love you he even likes you he even likes you (laughs) so right now off in the name of Jesus God is doing deep work deep wells deep wells And, and, and the time to be polite is over you don't need to be polite all the time sometimes it's totally fine to be righteously angry Sometimes it's totally fine to have passion about something and not always say the right thing. So I just say limitations off in the name of Jesus. I just off right now. His burden is light. His burden is light. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you God. What a faithful servant. What a faithful servant. I just, I just feel that I want to thank you. I want to thank you. No clue who you are, but I want to thank you for the service that you've given to God and the ability you s- that you sit in the back row with humility is commended by the Father. It's commended by the Father. You have shown what it is to be in a long game with God, to be faithful. And He's been faithful to you and you've been faithful to Him. And I just want to commend you right now right now thank you so much for this brother thank you God I just feel that God is celebrating your life celebrating and he's proud of you so I say refresh refreshing refreshing fire over you in the name of Jesus we just release I command a blessing over you in the name of Jesus I command a blessing over you right now yes 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 Yes, yes, yes. He celebrates you, sister. He celebrates you right now. You are not insignificant. Wow. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh winds. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Right now. Any limitations off, any addictions off, in the name of Jesus. Freedom, I speak over you. Oh, He loves you. Oh, He loves you. He loves you because He loves you because He loves you. He doesn't need another reason. He doesn't need another reason. It's time to switch off that brain and let the revelation of His goodness just flood through your heart. More and more and more. Whoa! Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Ha 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 ha. Shiba. Oh ha. Yes ha. Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Your job is joy. Your job is joy. <laughs> Whoa. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> more. More. Here's who coming. Not a wave. <laughs> yes, God. Yes, God. Take him deep. Deep wells. Wow. I can just see a massive depth in you. Massive depth in you. What a thinker you are. What a thinker you are. But God is going to bypass it and usually go straight through it and around it just to see the impossible kingdom see manifest through your life so I speak right now I speak freedom I speak acceptance over you I speak the glory of God through your life in the name of Jesus time to lift up your gaze lift up your gaze there is more possible than you thought right now I speak limitations of you're not defined by your circumstances you're not defined by your failures you're defined by the grace and the glory of Jesus so right now fire in the name of Jesus right now you're meant to bring joy to this room that's not rubbish I'm talking you are actually meant to do that 
right now in the name of Jesus. I speak it over you. I prophesy it in the name of Jesus. Right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Is it being recorded? Good. I just feel that the Father is saying over Emmanuel Church, some of, someone of the leaders talked to me about another building. But I just feel it's not the last building. I feel there is actually more buildings. And I saw one or two. <laughs> I, I, as soon as we talked about buildings, I actually felt instantly God say, that's not it. That's not only it. And I saw in the town center two, 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 almost two shopping buildings opening up. And they're currently gray. They're currently almost like boarded up maybe. And I just feel like God is opening doors. And I feel that God is saying it's going to be paired with a mercy gift. With a mercy gift. You're calling to take care of the poor. To take care of those that don't have justice. To take care and bring life to the town center. I just prophesy over you that the next five years, a lot of it is about taking care of justice in this town. It's about taking care about reconciliation. It's about taking care of the unseen. And this part of your calling is to get comfortable around the smelly. It's getting comfortable around those that don't belong. It is getting comfortable around those that are not accepted in society. It's about getting comfortable around the prisoners and about the people that no one looks after. It's getting comfortable around people that have never been hugged. And I prophesy over you that finances will flow, provision will flow if you take care of the poor. If you take care of the poor, I just see life coming in the, in the, in like the, I see a center, like the, 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 whatever the middle bit is. And I just see shops opening and just other lights God is, if you open that, God is going to open up other doors. So I just, uh, I just see that as part of who you are. Wait, wait, wait. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think what I felt actually really fits in with that. And um, what, I, what I heard was I, I, I kind of got a phrase that I've not really heard much before and then it keeps just jumping out at me. And it's, a lion does not concern itself with the opinions of sheep. And what I saw was I saw like you guys as a roaring lion, a huge roaring lion. And what you were doing at the same time was you were actually raising two cubs. <coughs> and I, I feel like this is to do with what Marco was prophesying. And I think he wants you to know that this, is a, this church is a lion and you're made to be seen. There's a fierceness in you. There's a strength in you. You have sharp eyes. You have quick reflexes and you're powerful. And I believe that this is Come a significant sir. season for you in the church. Come I feel like spirit. it's about relaxing and I feel it's about being the church that you feel called to be without worrying about the opinions of what other people think of you as a church. I feel there's a fresh permission and anointing over you to break the mould for the churches across the northeast, and I feel that this is what ties into what Marco was saying about releasing, um, releasing mercy and justice to the poor. Uh, I feel he wants you to know that as a church you don't have to strive. You don't have to strive to see these things. You're his sons and his daughters. You don't have to wait to see these things. He's, he's marked you with a favour. He's already done it to see these things incredibly easily. But you also need to know that actually where you're pressing into these things with boldness and courage, yes, there may be discouragement. And this is where that, that first line comes in. The, the lions do not concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. You're lions. You don't need to worry about what sheep think of you. 
You don't need to worry about what sheep think of you. You know the truth. You know his word. Most importantly, you know him. And you know what he says over you. You are my people. You're a holy and prophetic people. (laughs) You're a royal priesthood. (laughs) You have a calling to the people of Durham and Chesterley Street. Yeah. You don't need to strive for my approval. You already have it. I've marked you with my favour because I've already approved of you. I approved of you the first time you ever met together. I approved of you then. I approved of you before you even thought about starting a church in Durham. I approved of you. Chesterley Street, I approved of you before it was even a plan. I approved of you. So good. Thank you, God. Could I just have keys for a moment? Is that all right? Thank you. Just, just, can I have two more minutes? Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. Thank you. Just stop me whenever you need to. I just feel Jill, just the lady you're praying for as well. I just, can I interrupt it a bit? Is that all right? <laughs> you can keep going in a moment. Just keep receiving from God. Um, just keep receiving. I just feel God, Holy Spirit, all over you, actually. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. This is your time. This is your time. And He's taking you out of the cave, He's taking you out of hiddenness. And he is unlocking words in your mouth. I can see words just unlocking your mouth. And I just feel the word wordsmith. Wordsmith. And I just feel that part of this word about mercy and justice is about you. It's about you. And I just feel that God is calling you out today and saying, your destiny is not to be seen, but those that are unseen to make them seen. And I just see you writing words. Part of that is taking care of the individuals and doing organizations. And part of that is writing. I don't know how that's to do with it. But I just see you writing. I saw you sitting in the train. And in the train, you're sitting in the corner. You're making yourself comfortable. And you're writing the words of heaven down on paper. And the words of heaven, they're going to release to far wider than you expected. And they're going to be published and are going to bring people into a place of hope. So I release over you the creative anointing to bring people into the kingdom and to develop them in the kingdom, to help disciples become who they are meant to be. So I prophesy over you freedom and life right now in the name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come right now. Right now. You've said, I'm, I'm not creative, but God is showing you that you are. Right now, I just see, I see words over you spoken as a child. And I think you were about six or seven years old when you showed something to someone as almost like a project or an idea or a drawing or words or something like that. A mini story, I don't know what it was. But you showed it to someone and it got rejected. I was like, as it was just cute. But it wasn't cute, it was the precursor of your destiny. So I say restoration of you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for this lady. Thank you that she's the daughter of the king. And I speak value and significance of you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. 
there is just one or two people, when I talked about depression, you relate. You relate. And you don't have to just show that now. But I do feel that God is here at the moment. He's always here, but he also likes to show up. <laughs> if that is you, which is just quickly wave at me. There's something about that. Thank you so much. It's very brave. Anyone else? Can we be church, be family? Let's just gather around these people. Is that okay? Just to, to the back here, Dave. Thank you so much for being brave and doing that, saying that. Just the gentleman at the back as well. Just a couple of people around him. I don't want you to pray yet. Just wait. Just wait before you pray. Just lay hands on them, but don't pray yet. We'll be praying in a moment. First of all, I want to prophesy over you and declare that you are not a failure. You are not a failure for struggling. And I break off the shame in the name of Jesus. I break off the rejection in the name of Jesus. I break off the guilt in the name of Jesus that you are not enough. That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. So I say, break off in the name of Jesus. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough for Him because He came for you. That's why you're in this room, because He accepted you. Proverbs 14.9 says, The upright, that's us, can enjoy acceptance. So I speak over you right now. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. And if it's not today, it's tomorrow. So right now, I speak hope over you. I speak the expectation over you that God is good and that He's with you. So in the name of Jesus, I say depression, off in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, off in the name of Jesus. Fear, off in the name of Jesus. I speak hope over you that depression is not you. It's not you. That's not part of your personality. I speak from experience. I, the therapist said to me, you've got the worst depression there is, Marco. And he did it for me. So I speak that over you in the name of Jesus. Now, family, pray for them. They're your best prayers. Your best prayers. Care for them. Love them. Hug them. Show them that they're worth God's value.